Everyone is looking for purpose, for a life that matters, and we want to be a church that helps people find that. This is the Collective Church Podcast from a life-giving and vibrant new church right here in London, Ontario. Here's this past week's message from our pastor, Tyler Fromm. Before we dig into anything, I was sitting there standing during worship and I kept thinking about uh, Psalm 46, verse 10, and it says, be still and know that I am God. And so I want to do something for us because I I think if if I know each of you like I probably do, there's all sorts of stuff. Stuff that is causing us to be distracted or to be concerned or to be anxious that that sometimes we can live in the future hoping that somehow, sometime, everything will be solved by the next thing, or we can live in the past thinking that we are the sum total of everything that we've ever done right or wrong, and instead the invitation is to be still and know that God is who he says he is. And so I want to invite you to do something. We just close your eyes right now and just take a big, deep breath in and a big deep breath out. And let's in this moment be still and know that you are God. God, we need you. You know where each one of us are at. You know, those, those of us in the room, that all of this is new and maybe even weird to us. You know, those of us in the room that have been distant from you. You know, those of us that are hesitant to come close to you. You know, those of us in the room that are stressed and worried. And God, in this moment, we want to fix our eyes on you and be still. Know that you are God and we are not, and that is good news. God, we need you. We trust you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. We're in this series called Values, where we're looking at our six core values, and we're looking at them over four weeks. And this is week number Three. So we've looked at passion, we've looked at growth, we've looked at urgency, and today I want to spend time exploring the value of focus. This is central to who we are as a church, and I also believe would be invaluable for your life if you are seeking to learn what it means to follow Jesus. Matthew 6, verse 33, Jesus says this, Seek the kingdom of God, above all else, and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Now notice this. Seek the kingdom of God. Seek Jesus and his kingdom that is coming. Seek it fully with every part of your being, but also live righteously, live differently. That we don't just seek after Jesus and live the same way. We live Differently, And when we seek his kingdom, when we live righteously, what does he say? Says that God will give you everything you need. Notice it doesn't say everything you want. Everything that you need. And here's what I know to be true, that when we seek his kingdom and we live righteously, that he actually strips away the things in us that want something that is not what he wants. And he aligns our heart with his desires. And suddenly what we need is what he offers And he draws us closer. This is a life of focus. 
A life of focus says no more than it says yes. We say yes to the right things and we say no to all the other things that do not help us to seek his kingdom to live righteously and experience all that he has for us. I want us to spend time talking about this idea of focus. And as I was thinking about focus, I was reminded of a time in my 20s where I had one of my closest friends and he said, hey, will you, will you be my best man? And I was like, absolutely. And he goes, instead of doing like some sort of bachelor thing, we want to go on a trip down to Nashville. And I was like, that sounds awesome. Let's do it. And so my friend Ben and I, and then one other guy who was part of the, the wedding party, we drove down to Nashville. And there were some things about the drive that were not altogether pleasant. One was that Ben was really concerned about saving gas, so he turned the air conditioning off. And it was summer in Nashville. Now, you can imagine. So like, and we, we also are guys, so we're like, we're not going to stay at a hotel. We're going to drive straight 12 hours. And so it was like the middle of the night. I had driven for a while, and I woke up, and I just was coated in sweat like, you know, and you're, it's so miserable, and any sense that you could ever get back to sleep is gone. You're like, how do I, what do I do with this? Like, you're just sitting in your own filth. Anyway, it was an interesting experience. And I was excited. I was like, Nashville, I, I'm, I've never been a huge country music fan, but I was like, live music is awesome. And one of the things that he said is, I, I want to go to Nashville, but there's this, there's this detour I want to do. I want to do something called the Tale of the Dragon. Anyone ever heard of the Tale of the Dragon? Okay, the Tale of the Dragon is an 11-mile mountain pass road on the, the, the state line of Tennessee and North Carolina. Now, he was explaining this to me, and I was like, that sounds awesome. Like, Tale of the Dragon is a pretty intense name for it, but that sounds awesome. And so he had begun to, he had begun to hype it for me, and, and we got to this info station, and we're finding it a little bit more. We're going, okay, it's 11 miles. It's like this winding road through the mountains. I think they're the Smoky Mountains. And I was excited, and we get to the info station, and we find a sign, and it says, seven people died this year on the tail of the dragon. I think it was seven. I had to look it up, and it says there's an average of one and a half deaths every single year from the tail of the dragon. And I was like, suddenly the dynamic changed. I was really excited, but it became a little bit more distinct. And here's why. Because Ben, who was driving, who I love so much, would characterize himself as absent-minded. He would say, like, I'm, yeah, I'm totally absent-minded. And I was thinking through this. Now, we've later learned that he actually has ADHD. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense. And so he, here he is, this guy who is absent-minded, we have to do an 11-mile drive through the mountains where people die, and it's a standard. And so I'm thinking, order of difficulty, like this is just exponentially more difficult, and I'm thinking, now there are stakes involved. Like, I don't want to die. I'm not ready to go. I don't want to dial, I don't want to be the, the one and a half, the one of the one and a half. I don't want to contribute to these statistics. And I was thinking about that drive. Can I just tell you, it was not a peaceful drive. It was not one where I was like, look at the mountains. It was a lot of this, Ben, focus. Ben, do you see that car coming? Please, please move over, please. It's coming, it's Don't look over there. Like, you know the people, they look over there and they veer over? You're like, focus, 
pay attention to where you're going. Why? Because I understood, one, we had a destination we wanted to get to. But two, I understood that there was, there were stakes at, there were stakes for us actually arriving safely. And so what did it require? This journey that had significant stakes required focus. Now, obviously, I'm pleased to tell you I, had, I, I arrived alive. We made it. Not without, like, I'm pretty sure if my shirt wasn't sweaty beforehand, it was sweaty afterwards as I was gripping on going, stop, stop, go slow, slow, slow. It's a hairpin turn. But this focus is essential. And so when we think about something like that that is treacherous and we need focus, I think about our spiritual lives and I think about the stakes that are at play in our lives with the moments that we have and think how much more so that we need focus. And yet what I find to be true is that we settle into comfort. And what happens with comfort is when we get comfortable, it kind of softens some of those things and we're like, you know what? I'm just kind of living for the weekend or, you know, when I turn, when I can retire, when I finish school, you know, like whatever, it's just, I'm just, I'm just taking it easy. I'm just rolling through. And, and, and what ends up happening, the consequences, we do not live lives of focus. And so we veer off the road and we end up not realizing that stakes are high and live in a way that lacks focus. And I believe that we need to be a church that has focus, but I also believe as individuals that it's important that we live our lives with Focus. If we actually want to become apprentices to the way of Jesus, it requires a life of focus. And if you're in the room and this is all new to you, you're like, I'm not even sure that I believe in any of this stuff. I don't, I don't, I don't know what I walked in. I just, I, I want to let you know that you'll get a glimpse behind the curtain to know why we live like this, to know why we want to live differently, and to get a better sense of what it actually means to follow Jesus. So focus is one of our core values at Collective, and this is how we say it. God deserves our best. People far from Jesus deserve our best. We will focus on a few things and do them incredibly well. We will not settle. We are focused on God's direction and are willing to say no so that we can say yes to the things that God is calling us to do. I want to unpack a couple parts of that, and then I want to look at a, a powerful scripture that's, that's significant for us. First, this idea, God deserves our best, and people far from Jesus deserve our best. There's a tension that can be represented here. People that want to serve or do things with a, a heart of excellence, sometimes what ends up happening is we focus on the task, the stuff, and we miss why and we miss the people. You ever been around someone that they are so driven to do the best they can, they forget that, that there are people around them and that they're doing stuff and they're winning, but they're not actually winning with others? And then there's the other side where you're like, eh, who cares? It'll all just kind of work out. And let me just, just suggest to you, neither of those are particularly helpful. There's a tension in the middle where we value what we're doing and we also value people. Let me just give you an example of where that should land even in our own lives. I want you to think about times, wherever you live, times that you wanted to have people over that you cared about. You did not leave clothes all over the floor. You didn't leave the toilet in whatever state it was found in previously. 
what do you do? You cleaned up. You made sure the diaper, the diaper pail was emptied. That you made sure if you have like a 100-pound dog that thinks he's 25 pounds and jumps on people, that dog was not there to greet people. Why? Because you paid attention to the people that were coming over. You prepared the room for people that were visiting you. You valued people, and so there were tasks that you did that helped people to feel, to feel like you welcomed them, like you were expecting them at your house. And I recognize that there are times that we'll invite people over, and if they have fridge privileges where it's like, hey, this is just my house how it is. But generally, if there are people coming over to our houses or apartments or wherever we live that, that we value, we tend to put effort into ensuring that the environment is positive. And the same is true for us as a church. Because we value people that are guests, we want to ensure that what we are doing is paying attention to those guests that are in the room. We put time and effort into thinking through what is it like for a new person that's walking in. This is why as you come down the hill, you'll see giant flags that say collective church because someone that's new is going, German Canadian club? There's a church there? And so you come down to the parking lot and, and one of the things, and especially for us with little kids that I value is having parking. So you come down and you're like, oh, there's parking. And then you see flags. And then we have our host team that is welcoming people in. As you walk in, there's signage. that We have coffee per, for people. And then one of the things that we do is we have a table that is for people that are new. And it's right as you walk in. And we've established a process where whoever is working on that table gets some information from you if you're new. Hand writes a card gets your information so that we can send you a Starbucks gift card later. Why? Because we want you to know that we see you. We want you to know that we expected you. Like every single week, we have multiple people that are brand new for the very first time, and we don't take that lightly. We believe that God has given us that gift that we are invited to steward well. Because we believe that God deserves our best and people deserve our best. Now, is our process perfect? No, but is it continually getting better? Are we continually refining it? Yes. Why? Because we value people. And so we're willing to do things well because we value people. And we'll continue to work hard to improve it. This attitude of God deserves our best and people deserve our best is in all layers of our team. And when I say our team, I mean, I mean the 50-plus volunteers that sacrifice to make Sunday happen, co-groups happen, and everything else that we do at Collective. The people that give their time, talent, and treasure to ensure that there is room made for our guests. That their attitude is that God deserves our best and people deserve our best. This is the posture that we have. This is why focus for us is so important. God deserves our best, people deserve our best. And we say we will focus on a few things and do them incredibly well. We will not settle. Here's the reality. Certainly because we're portable, all of our stuff is in a trailer, there, there's limitations that we have. And, and there's a reality that we can't do everything. As a church, we can't be a church of all things that does every single thing that any other church has ever done. And so we always have to be asking the question, 
What's the most important thing for us? What are the things with the greatest impact? What are the things that will lead us to where we want to go? And one of the things for us is intergenerational community. That is this idea that we want community not just of one generation, a bunch of 20-year-olds with each other, a bunch of 30-year-olds, 40-year-olds, whatever. Intergenerational community is going, how do we create room for someone who's in their 20s to also be with someone who's in their 40s, maybe 60s? How do we create environments where there is intergenerations? It's not just one generation talking to each other, but instead we're learning from others. This is important for us. And I recognize that there are other churches that that, that maybe isn't as, as intentional as ours, and that's not some value statement, like we're so much better, we figured it out. But for us, we go, our co-groups, we've worked really, really hard to ensure that our co-groups are not just one generation. And our co-groups are where we take this larger gathering and we meet in the homes, eight to 12 Sometimes more than that, people in a room where we grow together, where we connect, and we grow to follow Jesus. Those environments, we've worked really hard to ensure that it's not just one generation. Because we need others. And all the stats, all the data actually suggests that the people that have lasting faith, impactful faith, are the ones that have strong relationships with other people who are not their parents but are not in their generation. So there's this desperate need for us. And I was a youth pastor for five years in Calgary and, and all the stats, and I saw people that stayed in their faith because they had people that were not the same age as them, that loved them, cared for them, wanted them to grow, and they were known by those people. It was not just one of those things that it was like, oh, there's the youth over there doing their own thing. Instead, it was community where you go, we're, we're a family together, intergenerational community. And I think about how significant this is. And let me just tell you, this is not something that we believe is valuable just for you. We, Lee and I believe this is valuable. Like, for example, Lee and I have been married for 11 years, right? <laughs> it's it, there, two cross-country moves, a whole lot of things. Like, there's a degree we both are like, is it 11 or 12? So 11 years. We don't need just other people that have been married for 11 years around us. We need people that have been married for 20 years, 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. I got to spend significant time with my grandparents growing up, six, almost 65 years of marriage. And as you'd spend time with them, you'd learn from them. Why? Because I value, we value people that have done it over the long haul. But we don't just value it just for our benefit. We also think, what does it look like to invest in people that are newly married? What does it look like to be the kind of community where we strengthen our marriages knowing that we can learn from each other? We need intergenerational community. Or for Lee and I, we're parents. And maybe you're not a parent, but maybe at some point you will. We have a seven-year-old and an almost five-year-old. We don't need just other people that are in that same stage. We need people that have navigated between teenage years we need people that have navigated kids that are, that are now grown up. We need people that are grandparents that have learned some things. We need all sorts of different generations that are going, this is what I'm learning, have learned, wish I could do differently, whatever it is. And then we also need to spend time with people that are going, this is all new to me. Is this normal? And we go, yes. 
Or the people that go, what if that isn't my reality? What if I can never have kids to go, you are so valuable in this community because, like I said, we need people of different ages investing in the next generation. And so for us to be a community that is intergenerational, now again, I recognize that, that that's so value-driven for us. It's such a focus for us at Collective, and I recognize not every church is like that. I've been at churches. I worked at a church that was more segmented. It was like this age to this age to this age to this age. And I can understand value, but for us, we go, there's parts that it's important, and then there's a huge section that you go, if we don't break down these barriers, we actually see people that do not stick around and do not figure out what a vibrant relationship with Jesus looks like. We want that. So our focus is on that. So we could do a hundred different things, but we are focusing on something that we believe has the most impact. We are focused on life-changing community, and life-changing community has to be intergenerational. And so this is one of the things that we have that we have identified we get the biggest bang for our buck from. We have limited resources and we wanna we wanna leverage those resources well. We also recognize this idea in our core value that we will not settle. Settling is this idea that one time at some point that worked really well, we've stopped evaluating it based on whether it's impactful. We just do it because that's what you do. And I've been at churches that do that. And I, and I can see how easy it is to settle into a rhythm of going, that's just what we do. We, we really wanna consistently go, but is that the best way? Is that helping us to accomplish what we want to accomplish? I mean, we've all gone to probably places where they've done the same thing they've done since 1983. And you go into, like, for example, a restaurant and it smells the same and not in a good way. And, and there's a degree that you walk in going like, hey, things have changed and nostalgia is great, but this doesn't feel intentional. This just feels like you've just stopped. And as a church, we never want to fall into that pattern. So for us, we're constantly evaluating, is this the most effective? Even with our co-groups, there's been range in time where we've tried things and learned and failed and tried it again and, and have got to a point where we're closer and closer to where we want to be. That, that pattern of us not settling is such an important part of who we are because we're evaluating, is this effective or not? Was this effective at some point? Like there, there were churches that at one point saw tons and tons of people coming to faith through bus ministries. Buses would go into the community and pick children up and strange, strange, a stranger driving a bus would have strange kids hop on the bus and take them to church and it would impact. Could we do that in 2023? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think I want to. I don't think I want to worry about the liability for any part of that. And so we can look at that and go, but bus ministry, that changed my life, and that might be true. And we can look at why. Why did it change your life? Because someone valued you, because someone went out of their way, someone invested in me. All those things, you go, okay, we can figure out how to do that in other ways. Tape ministry, that used to be a big thing. Sermons on tape. Anyone here have a cassette player? Yeah, exactly. So you go, oh, we got the cassette players. Everyone, there's tapes at the back. You can grab one as you leave, and you're going like, I don't, what do I do with this thing? I look at it, I guess, is pull the thing out. For us, we want to always be thinking, and this is a constant process, 
Is, the, is, this, is this accomplishing what we want to accomplish? We want to ensure that we are not settling in. And so here's the reality. We hold mission, what we're called to do, our vision. We exist to make it all about people seeing Jesus. We hold that like this. But our how, we go, God, we want to do whatever is best. We want to continually say, God, what do you, what do you want us to do? We want to ask you and follow your leading. Why? We say it in our value that we are focused on God's direction. And we're willing to say no so that we can say yes to the things that God is calling us to do. The nature of focus means that we will have to say no to certain things, good things, but not God things. And again, this is not a value statement in comparison to other churches. The beauty of churches is that there's uniqueness in each church. And so some churches do it differently. And I go, we're part of one big church. That is amazing. But I also want to be honest and say we are not every other church. So for us, Lee and I, and, and, our, and, and our overseers, and our, our team leads, and our leaders, we're always trying to go, okay, God, what are you inviting us to do? What, what are you asking us to do? And continue to follow that direction. And just as an aside, let me just suggest to you that trying to figure out what God is calling you to do, which is something that most of us at some point will do, does not happen best individually. It does not happen best in isolation. It happens best when we go, in community, I think maybe God's saying this. What do you guys think? Can you pray about this? Can we do this together? Now, again, intergenerational ministry or community is significant because you have older people that go, hey, um, careful. I learned that the hard way. Or they go, do it. Go, go. We're behind you. And you feel like, okay, I can do this. We discern God together. If you've been around people, that throw out God told me or God's saying really carelessly, generally, those people live in a way that does not often reflect God. Because they like, it's sporadic. God told me this, then he told me that, and then he told me something else, and, then he, and, and you're like, oh, how do I follow him? How am I supposed to be still and know that he is God when I feel like I'm being thrown around? That is not how God operates. God moves us steadily forward, fixed on him. And so in community, we can go, I'm not sure, I don't know what to do. And you go, okay, it's great, let's feel that. Now, what does that look like? What is the next step? What do we do? And, and so to discern that together, we listen for God together. And so just like as a church, we aren't just on an island. It's not like me or Lee, we have the red phone to God and he says something. We constantly are going, God, what are you saying? And we're asking people. I spend time with the prayer team and I go, this is what I'm sensing. What are you guys discerning? That's so valuable. And it's valuable not just for us as a community of faith, but it is for you as an individual. For us, we want to keep our focus on Jesus and our focus on what he's inviting us to do. Now, Paul writes powerfully of focus in a letter to the church in Philippi. And Paul, if you're not familiar, was also known as Saul. He was this persecutor of the church. He saw Christians murdered. He was this Jewish man that was set believing that Jesus was a false messiah and then met Jesus on a road and everything changed. And suddenly he became the great catalyst for church he planted churches, he saw churches, and he was the one that was persecuted. And a good chunk of the New Testament is written by him to churches that he started. So when we see Philippians, 
It's not just something random. It is Paul writing to the church in Philippi, inspired words of God that we read and God speaks to us through. And Philippians 3 verse 13 says this. The second half of the verse, it says in Paul's writing, I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Now, maybe you've heard this verse before. I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past and looking forward to what lies ahead. This, this verse is significant. I want to look at some verses that actually come after it. But just camping here for a, a moment, he, he's saying we, we need to focus our eyes on the race that we're supposed to run. We need to focus on what lies ahead. We don't need to look back. We don't need to fixate on all the things that we've done wrong and where we've been. If our eyes are focused on Jesus, we begin to move Now, just as you think about this running metaphor, if you're running a race, you do not run a race well if you're looking backwards. Generally, you hit things, you go off track, and you're definitely not going to run as quickly as you could. And so there's some really logical, straightforward things. If you're running your race, Jesus has set a path for you. He says, I have have plans and purposes for you. And you go, I'm going to focus on that. I'm going to run my race. I'm going to press on. And at the end of it, we are offered a a prize. And I often think about this. What do I want at the end of my life? And I think some of you probably could relate. I want God to, to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Not recognize, recognizing that I am imperfect and I will not do everything right and I'll miss things. But was I faithful? Did I do what he asked me to do more times than not? Was I willing to to sacrifice for his sake? Is it well done, good, and faithful servant? And this reminder for us that this is a, a marathon, not a sprint. And some of us live our spiritual lives like we're sprinting, and we're just spending lots of energy and not getting anywhere. And so we run, 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 fast, fast, go hard, and then stop, Sit down, start playing with the pebbles on the track, look around, wonder what other people are doing, and go, I should should get up and run again. But that was really hard when I ran that one time. So I'm just going to, I'm going to wait, and at some point, I'm going to do it again. And I just want to let you know, and maybe you've heard me say it before, consistency always trumps intensity, always. The consistent, honestly, I'd rather you're walking than you sprint and then stop. Because we continue to take steps further to become more and more who Jesus is invited us to be. And so we, we press on toward the goal. We focus our eyes on Jesus. But really, what really struck me as I was preparing this week is in verse 15, Paul says this, let all who are spiritually mature agree on these things. If you disagree on some point, I believe that God will make it plain to you But we must hold on to the progress we have already made. Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. Now this is where we again see this significance of intergenerational community. 
because we learn from Paul, yes, and we learn from people that have followed his example. 2,000 years of church history, people that have gone before us. We value those that are older than us. We value people that have gone before us. And Paul is actually saying we must hold on to the progress we have already made. So for some of us, it's not just that we've sprinted and we've stopped and we're watching other people run the race. We actually got up and went, I don't know, back there seemed easier. And so we walk to the beginning of the race and we lose some of the progress that we've made. Every single day we have an invitation. Am I moving, am I moving closer to Jesus? Am I following him or am I drifting backwards? And we're invited to learn from those that have gone before. What's really fascinating is that when you spend time with people that have followed Jesus for any length of time, often the stuff that you're like, am I the only one? They go, no, I've been there. Here's what I learned. And you're like, tell me, how do I avoid some of this? Here's some pitfalls. That is so essential. And in verse, verse 18, Paul says, for I have told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. They're headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things and they think only about this life here on earth. I wanna let you know when it comes to focus, we have two options for focus, Jesus or everything else. Jesus or everything else. Those are our two options. Is my focus on Jesus or is it on all sorts of things? Am I focused on Jesus, the author, the perfecter of my faith, the one who is drawing me closer, who comes to give me life and life to the full, or am I going in a different direction? We can run our race according to what Jesus has for us, or we can run another race straight toward destruction. We can focus on Jesus or we can focus on the things that don't matter and then find ourselves harmed in the process. Look at what Paul actually says here, that they're headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite. They brag about shameful things and they think only about this life here on earth. Now, just so you know, this is not just speaking about food and appetite. It's not just saying their God is their stomach, though for some of us that can be. It's also all the desires, an appetite, something that you go, I, I want that, I need that, I need that right now. Like when you're hungry, or not you, because all of us are very sanctified, but my kids, when they're really hungry, do you want to know what they can focus on? Nothing. I need to eat now. <laughs> I, need a, I need a drink now. And so our God can become our appetite where that's the loudest voice. I want this. This will make me happy. This is what success looks like. This is what I need. And God's going, focus on me. Focus on my son, Jesus. And instead, our God becomes our appetite. It becomes all the other things. And you go, I want that. And he goes, hunger and thirst after me only. You're like, yeah, whatever. But I also, and that, again, we find our focus divided. Am I focused on him or am I focused on something else? And the consequence of that is that our focus is only thinking about our life here on earth, momentary things. I'm coming more and more to terms with the brevity of life and how quickly things move. And I think if that's my only focus, how much am I missing out on? 
And so he gives this contrast. He's saying we can be people where our God is our appetite. We brag about shameful things and we think only about life on earth. But then he gives us a contrast and an invitation. And he says, but we, those of us who follow Jesus, those of us who have given our life to Jesus, who apprentice under him, our rabbi who say, I want to model my life. I want to be with Jesus, become like Jesus, do what he did. We are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives and we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our savior. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. Our focus instead of just being on the here and now and all the things that we want instead is on Jesus. It's on the one who restores everything, who renews the world, sets the world right. He is actively restoring, but there will come a time where things are fully restored. That is the one that we fix our attention on. And this is why he says in Matthew 6.33, seek the kingdom of God above all else. And live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. This value of focus helps us to make decisions as a church. It helps us to know what we value, what's important, what we focus on, what aligns us. But it also is an invitation and a valuation for us as individuals who are following Jesus. Or not. People that are in the room that are going, I'm trying to figure out what do I actually think or believe. For us to ask the question, what am I focused on? What has my attention? What has my affection? What do I believe is going to offer solution, salvation to my life? And the problem that I see is that, especially for people that would call themselves Jesus followers, they go, it's, it's only you, God, and then my bank account and my job and that person that's gonna complete me and my kids my hobbies, if I could just do enough, and it's all these other things, and you go, that, that is not for us seeking first the kingdom of God. Now, I am not suggesting that we all become monks, though maybe for some of us, maybe that's what God's asking. I'm just saying, what if we actually sought the kingdom of God more than everything else? Like, what if our posture is just going, and I said it last week, every single day, God, what do you want from me? God, I just want to, I want to do where, I want to do what you ask. I want to go where you go. What would it look like for you to, to consider a new job or, or a school and rather than just going, what do I want? Though that is a component, going, God, what do you want? And how do my desires line up with your desires? And what are you trying to do in me? God, I, I, want, I want you. I want to seek your kingdom. And then I want to live righteously. I want to live differently. I don't want to just do my own thing and then hope that somehow I get my life plus Jesus sprinkled into it. We seek first the kingdom of God above all else and we live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. It's a dangerous prayer. If you're like, God, give me everything you need or everything I need and God goes, are you sure? Because he's like, let me tell you what you actually need. Challenge. And you're like, no, I don't want that. It's like disappointment. Because you need to know that you can trust me, but 
other things are not where your security is found. Whatever the thing is, there's, there's all these areas in our life that as we seek first the kingdom, we live righteously, that, that God removes and softens and replaces things with his way of life. This is the invitation. This is why we focus on him. And so I'd love for you to reflect for a moment. If you're in the room right now and you would say, I'm a follower of the way of Jesus, I am a Christian, or I'm a Jesus follower, however you'd call it. We use the language apprentice of Jesus because I think that that picture, word picture is significant where you go, an apprentice isn't just learning about Jesus, they're modeling their lives and learning to be with Jesus and to walk with him. But if you have surrendered your life to Jesus, I want you just to reflect for a moment. You could even close your eyes for a second and go, what's my focus on? Like when I think about the beginning of my day, a new day, what am I focused on? Is it my bank account? Is it the people around me? Is it enough affirmation? Is it whatever success looks like or is it Jesus? And then I want you to reflect honestly right now. If you think about your energy at every single moment of every single day, you have energy and you are finite. And I want you to think, where are you focusing that energy? Like you wake up and you're well rested. What's the first thing you do? Hop on your phone, start scrolling? Or do you go, God, let's take a walk. I wanna pray with you. Whatever that looks like, how are you investing? If you feel inspired, what do you do with that? Do you go tell someone about Jesus or do you sit by yourself and go, that feels really nice, I like this. I want us to pay attention to where we're focusing our attention and we're focusing our energy. We have limited time and we have limited capacity. And I want for you and I want for me and I want for our kids to use every bit of the time we have for the best things, for the God things, for the things that bring us life and actually satisfy our soul. I want you to picture this race that you are invited to run, and I want you to ask yourself, am I running my race, or am I looking side to side? Am I looking back? Maybe there's this part of you that you go, I I wanna look forward, but I just feel like, I feel like I've done so many stupid things, I feel like God's angry at me, I just, I wanna let you know he's inviting you closer, and he's reminding you that he loves you, and he wants to draw you closer. If you're in the room and there's some stuff that you go, ah, I, I'm, not, I'm not doing well, or I just, I'm really struggling in this area. Our prayer team is going to be up at the front. They'd love to pray with you. I want us to be thinking about our lives and honestly reflecting, what am I focused on? And I'm not asking you at every single day to spend 18 hours reading scripture and praying for people. I'm saying to you, what would it look like if you took your best hours and gave them to God? What would it look like if you focused every single day consistently on who Jesus is inviting you to be and a year from now you look back and go, wow, I'm not who I was. I want that for each of you. I want that for each of us. Maybe you're in the room and you go, this is all new to you or you're not sure. And if, if you would like to learn more about following Jesus or you'd love to make the decision to follow Jesus, you can fill out a connect card and we'd love to connect with you. You can go up to the prayer team or you can find one of us at the next steps table. We want to be the kind of community that is focused. And, and one of the ways, there's a couple ways, and I've said it the last few weeks, but they're important for us to cultivate focus in our lives There's a few. One is join a co-group. 
Join a community of people that actually want to help you to focus, that love you, care about you, that want to get to know you and want to help you to actually discover what it means to follow Jesus. We have co-groups on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. And if you go to collectivechurch.ca, you can find information on each of the co-groups. We also have another co-group that, and I think there's just one more spot left that is called Healthy Soul. For people that have some, some baggage or some, some challenges or some areas of wounding, and we wanna not just say, hey, hopefully figure that out, but we wanna actually help walk with you. And by the Holy, power of the Holy Spirit, see you actually experience some healing in the context of community. And so I wanna encourage you, if that's where you're at, to go to Healthy Soul. And the other thing is, maybe you're, you're going, I have friends that don't know Jesus, and I don't know what to do with it, and I want to invite you to bring them to something called Alpha. Lee and I are hosting Alpha this week, or this, this uh, semester, um, I think it's in two weeks, February 2nd on a Thursday, Thursday nights, and I think it's nine weeks, we're hosting it at our house. We're gonna eat meals, we're gonna watch some videos, and we're gonna have conversations, and it's around questions that people have around faith. Because we wanna create space for people that are wrestling and exploring. And I, I just think that sometimes that the questions that we have aren't best answered in a crowd of people facing one way, but around a table at a home where someone actually is willing to listen and ask other questions. And so I wanna invite you to, to either come to Alpha or to bring someone to Alpha. And if you want some information, again, our website, and I think it's collectivechurch.ca slash alpha. Our, our value of focus is this. God deserves our best. People far from Jesus deserve our best. We will focus on a few things and do them incredibly well. We will not settle. We are focused on God's direction and we're willing to say no so that we can say yes to the things that God is calling us to do. We're gonna worship in a moment. I wanna, I wanna invite you to stand and I wanna pray for you. God, as we... As we ask questions around where our focus is, as we ask questions around where our energy is being used, I pray that you would guide us. God, that you would bring to us community, people that love us and love you, that are willing to help us to see where maybe our focus is distracted. God, the, the best part is you're not looking at us, condemning us and saying, you suck, you're the worst. Instead, you're saying, come to me, find life, we can grow together. God, help us to see that your voice is one of conviction, not condemnation, that we feel love, not shame. But instead, that this moment would become a catalyst where beginning now, we begin to take steps to fix our eyes yet again on you. God, for those of us that have been running our race and are worn out, give us strength. Help us to see you and help us to see the things that are tripping us up. God, for those of us that are veering, help us to see your beauty in front of us. God, use us. God, thank you that you are guiding us. And I pray that as a church, we would continue to have our eyes focused on what you want. God, build your church gates of hell will not prevail against it. God, we are taking ground. We are going where you asked us, and we're willing to build what you want us to build. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like more information on Collective Church, find us on social media at This Is Collective Church, or reach us on our website, collectivechurch.ca. 
Thank you for listening, and we hope to see you Sunday.